Toasted Sister, I'm Andy Murphy. people who eat. Hello everybody, I'm James Simmermeyer, member of the Kohari tribe and of Navajo descent. I'm Monica Brain, I am Assiniboine and Hunkapapa Lakota. Today we actually have an experiment. We have some kind of health bar. What is it, Monica? Yeah, so I'm always trying to eat healthy. Um, right now I'm doing the no gluten thing. So I found this energy bar. <laughs> what is it? It's kale, pineapple, Bananas, apple. Not bad. Are you kidding? Yeah, man, the pineapple is strong. It is the most disgusting thing I've ever consumed. Okay, so it kind of looks like, um, you know, like one of the bird seed things, like a bird seed rock or something that birds can sit on and peck at all day. Suet cake. Suet cake? Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like this cake of lard and bird seed mashed together. Oh god. Yeah. Really? Right. And the ladies are being polite. I'll be the rude one here. Um, it actually looks like a um, piece of feces, and especially <laughs> if uh, if a four-legged animal had eaten a lot of hair. <laughs> you see it now, right? You right. see the hair and the like. It, the it's pineapple like, fibers. Yeah, but actually, it, it's kind of like a cross between a um, uh, fruit roll-up, and uh, it's got some fruit and you, dirt. Do you, do you see? Do you feel its fruit roll-up tendencies? Maybe, yeah. It sticks to your teeth. Yeah. It sticks it's to your chewy. teeth in that way. Yeah, my dentist is going to hate this. It's got kale in it, well, so. so. Well, it doesn't taste like kale. It def- definitely has that healthy taste. Like, it's not very pleasant, yeah. but you have to eat it. Yeah. yeah. We don't have to name the product. It's no. not something I would endorse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cold as ice. <laughs> I will say that this is not bad. If anybody goes out there and finds a pineapple, banana, kale, and spinach bar, try it. Or maybe you need to clean out your Vitamix, and that's the stuff you'll find, like, on the bottom. <laughs> Smash that's it right. together. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's the stuff you'll find at the bottom. And, I mean, this is coming from somebody who eats a kale smoothie almost every day. Like, mm. I found that to be just disgusting. So, so you're on this, uh, I would. I don't know if I can call it a health kick, but you've been uh, doing without some things, yeah, some yummy I'm, things. I'm trying to eat. I'm trying to eat healthier, um, not so much for, uh, like, trying to lose weight or anything like that, but I have a lot of migraines, and so I cut out gluten to see if that helps with it, and then I'm trying to cut out sugar, but that is so hard, so hard. Yeah, so, everything has sugar in it. Everything. I mean, this water I'm drinking has sugar in it, so... <laughs> You know, when you're trying to make something healthy, you still want to eat the same things. But so you think you get on the Internet. What's a healthy brownie? You know, and Google it. And I did that one time. And um, I don't know. Maybe you want to tell the story. 
about these brownies that I brought into the office that were so... Oh, they were made of beet. They kind of <laughs> look like a big blob of clotted blood sitting in a pan. And when you get into it, it tastes like um, corn husks. <laughs> it tastes like straight up corn husk, like just raw from the stock corn husk. And um, I don't think that was a very successful one. It was but, beets and bananas. Mm. And I don't think there was any flour in it because they were supposed to be gluten-free um, I can't remember how they came together, like what held them together, eggs maybe or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe it had flour in it. I, I don't really remember. but You mean the binder? Yeah, some kind of binder. Um, but I just put them on the table at work and, <laughs> and then like <laughs> maybe two hours later sent out an email that said, those brownies. <laughs> I think the topic head was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> there, there are brownies on the table. You can partake if you want. <laughs> you know, not have survived back in the day. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We would have starved to death. <laughs> Y'all spoiled so-and-sos. <laughs> Can't even eat a pineapple, bale, pineapple banana. And Andy's biggest complaint about the brownies was that I called them brownies. She mm. she actually went to the dictionary, got a definition of brownies, and emailed it to me. Yeah, but the black bean brownies I think would pass. That got my 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 approval. Those are pretty good. I made I've made them several times, and I made them for uh, Comic Con. Yeah, for all the special guests and all the celebrities, <laughs> had my black bean brownies. It's pretty pretty easy. The can of black beans, oil, eggs, chocolate, cocoa. Is there a difference between chocolate and cocoa? You do use chocolate chips and cocoa. Oh, mm-hmm. cocoa. That's yeah. cool. I mean, that's uh, I think it's important that people try weird combinations. We hear you have some weird combinations. Yeah. I'm all about the weird combinations. Let's start with last night's popcorn. Oh, last night's popcorn. One of my favorite things is at the local theater here. Because you can pour the butter topping on yourself is to go ahead and get uh, a little side serving of jalapeno and then ask for a courtesy cup because you can't get enough butter topping inside the little small jalapeno cup. Put the jalapenos inside this courtesy cup and then fill that all the way up with the butter topping. Let it sit until about halfway through the movie and that way the jalapeno flavor has infused the butter topping. And then... You just pour that all over your popcorn, and it's so good. One of the keys is also in the courtesy cup to make sure to go ahead and pinch it to create a drizzle, to create a to create a point. <laughs> a spout, yeah. sort of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a spout, so that way you drizzle. This is critical. So that way you drizzle it on there. I mean, this is many trial and errors. How big is the courtesy cup? Is it like a shot glass or like? No, about six ounce, six to eight ounces. The oh, little goodness. courtesy cup. That they like a little bit bigger than a Dixie cup. Yeah. Oh. Huh. Goodness. Yeah. In all that butter in the popcorn. Butter flavor. Mm. He put butter on it before. Butter butter, butter flavor topping. (laughs) And then like halfway through the movie, he was like (laughs) shaking the tub of popcorn. Just like, just full on, just like, it just sounded like bingo. You know, like just (laughs) shake, shake, shake. Like kind of have it all. I mean, it went on for like two minutes. Just even, even mixture. So critically important. Do you realize how good that tasted? <laughs> so delicious. It just, it just made me laugh. Yeah. I can't imagine, and I don't want to. I don't um, think so. <laughs> well, try it. That's a, it. You also put candy in your popcorn. 
Yeah, uh, Reese's Pieces. Oh, that's the best way to do that. The the so the technique is really important is uh, microwave popcorn because then it's nice and hot, and you slightly open up the bag. Reese's Pieces, pour Reese's Pieces maybe about a half cup of Reese's Pieces or maybe about one package of Reese's Pieces into the top of the microwave popcorn right after it came out so it's nice and hot and mm-hmm. shake the heck out of it. So what happens is the heat kind of causes the Reese's Pieces to slightly melt and it cracks them. So that way they stick to the popcorn kernels. And it's a, it really is a salty sweet issue that I have. Wow. That sounds like um, something that uh, maybe hipsters are doing. They're putting like cereal and Reese's and candy bars on everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we were talking about how to indigenize this. <laughs> Our discussion here. Yeah. Popcorn and butter and jalapenos and Reese's I mean, pieces. To, These are all native products. <laughs> Chocolate is native. It's Popcorn about is native. <laughs> eating what you have access to and making it taste good. Nobody wants to eat liver. <laughs> liver is disgusting. But after you kill that deer, after you kill that sheep, after you kill that buffalo and you're hungry, that's like one more hunk of meat. So what are you going to do? You're going to go find something to make it taste better. Are you going to find a, a technique to zhuzh it up a little bit? You've taken that to the like oh, highest all, level. Though. All of our modern conveniences. So no, we, we, we no longer have to eat the liver <laughs> living <laughs> in the bounty of our times. Now we can eat Reese's and popcorn. Or um, I heard mm-hmm. liver is really healthy for you. I've had it once. No, a couple of times, and my taste buds have changed. Like, long time ago when I was a little younger, when I was a kid, I could eat that because my parents would every now and then get some um, sheep pieces and mutton meat from, you know, family and stuff. But then uh, I tried it again, um, like, two years ago, and I, I almost puked. Mm. It was just oh, it turned into something different for me. I don't know. My taste buds have changed. But one of my uh, food quirks, weird food combinations is like a whole teaspoon of pepper in my ketchup Oh, when I'm dipping uh, french fries. That's not weird at all. Really? I've seen yeah. like maybe three people, well, three other people. It's not weird to me. I do it. Especially for, do? for some reason, Wendy's. Wendy's ketchup with, uh, with, uh, with black pepper or even better, the chili sauce packets that they have. So you make your own spicy chili, you make your own spicy ketchup. Uh-huh. I shouldn't be sharing that because I've been trying to save that. To convince Wendy's to do it and then go ahead and <laughs> have them give you royalties for making spicy ketchup. Oh my god, ketchup tastes the same no matter where it comes from. <laughs> it's salty and tomato blah. Did well the you... restaurant that I was just at a while ago, um, they are very hipster, very, you know, into themselves and they make their own artisanal ketchup. ketchup. Are yeah, you they kidding? make it. Oh themselves. god. I asked you, this is my second time being there, and I asked him, can I just have regular ketchup? I don't have no time for this. I don't want and my a decolonized ketchup. <laughs> I'm just going to say one of my Veronica friends has pointed out that hipsters, non-people of color, are paying a lot of money nowadays to eat like people of color used to have to eat. <laughs> so eating stuff like liver. Paleo. Yeah. That was kind of like... Or, or making their own ketchup. I remember when I, so I was a really picky eater when I was a kid. The only salad dressing that I would ever eat is Thousand Island. So my parents would make Thousand Island. And so if they do, you just take uh, ketchup, mayonnaise with some relish, mix it all together. It's Thousand Island dressing. 
And then it got to the point where my mom was like, okay, you figure this out and you make it yourself. I'm not going to make you. That's when I was like seven. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> oh so. my god my parents would never make me something like first of all there's no there was no like i only eat this salad dressing <laughs> it was like oh. you will eat what i gave you and you will like it no i mean that's <laughs> what, wrong. <laughs> there was this one thing that my mom made which i didn't like she got it from her friend who's from costa rica so she called it costa rican rice which was rice with like a bunch of vegetables and chicken all chopped up to it cooked together because I did not like it at all back when I was picky, I would put my homemade Thousand Island all over oh. it in order to make it edible to me. Because oh. rice is so, it's like water, flavorless. Oh, no. Plain white rice. I'm not talking okay. about artisanal. I'm not talking about <laughs> native indigenous rice <laughs> from the southeast. White rice. <laughs> okay, okay. I was, about to, I was about to start. Yeah. <laughs> Andy makes really good rice. It yeah. takes like... um. What two hours to make it? Probably like three, three. It's like the Afghan style rice. Yeah. Um, I learned how to make it like, gosh, like over two years or so, just to try to get it right. Every batch mm. just wasn't as good as what um, uh, I tasted from my boyfriend's mom, uh, but I think I'm finally there. And it does take like me three hours soaking, cooking in the oven. You know, you have to get those those timings right. Yeah. Does it have raisins like, in it? I want to say it has raisins in it. Well, it's like it's like a whole different dish. That's a dish on its own. Oh. But this this one's just like the white rice, okay. the basmati rice. Oh, uh, that's cool. That's uh, I, rice is just something I've never been able to get into. That's my own personal type of thing. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, rice is good. Monica, do you eat anything weird like that? Any weird combinations? Mostly the food that I eat that's weird um, is a result of, again, trying to make things healthy. So mm -hmm. I make pizza out of cauliflower, which takes a very long time. I was just watching a Tasty video about that the other day. That's no longer weird. You it's no now, longer weird? It's no longer weird. You are now, you are now mainstream. I don't even know how it's actually healthy because it's you use a head of cauliflower and then it's got like two or three eggs in it mm. and a half a cup of mozzarella cheese in <laughs> the the mixture to make the crust. And then you cook it and then you put all the pizza toppings on top of it in addition to that. And so I don't see how that I mean, it's definitely not a low calorie food, but yeah. it's really it, tasty. Yeah, like like for me when you when you come with these different like substitutions like this is brownies and it's like beets <laughs> and you're like this is pizza and it's like cauliflower <laughs> you know some of those the, the, those are fine you know if maybe they come up with a whole different name for them but for me it's the terminology like this is my pizza and it's like no that's a ground up piece of broccoli <laughs> that you shaped into a pizza that's right you know, or like zoodles. <laughs> Zucchini noodles. I'm yep. like, I had that know, for I, lunch I, today. Yeah, yeah. I, I I made them one time, and I'm like, this does not replace, you know, pasta. You know, <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, this is pasta, but without the carbs and the, you know, calories. Yeah. No, you just need to tell yourself like, I am eating zucchini mm -hmm. with I'm some pasta flat flavoring. Yeah. <laughs> is this going too far when saying that is analogous to things like sovereignty? <laughs> That's not sovereignty. <laughs> You're just running the dictatorship that you covered up with some beet juice <laughs> and calling it sovereignty. Call it what it is. You're running a dictatorship. <laughs> so like, I'm just keeping it real. And that's the 
Beat Brownies need to keep it real and stop calling itself Beat Brownies, but call itself Beat Balls. <laughs> beat Squares. Or, yeah, maybe Beat Squares. or Beat Dessert. Lean into it, man. Go all in. If you're going to be gluten-free, if you're going to be paleo or vegan or whatever, lean in and do it. Don't try to make, like, paleo-style mozzarella sticks. <laughs> <laughs> You, the minute you went to paleo, you gave up that life. <laughs> you <laughs> no. are no longer, you can no longer do mozzarella sticks. You're not about that life anymore. Yeah, you gotta, if you're going to be paleo, be paleo. Don't try to pretend. Can I just say there's a container of seasoning in the trunk of my car that he has been there for like two weeks now. Yeah. That he took from um, some burger restaurant. Freddy's. Freddy's. Yeah. Like he helped himself to a whole container. Yeah. Because that stuff's good. So. And stole it. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of things How is it keeping in your trunk? <laughs> it's, it's it's fine. It's, it's seasoning. Um, powder seasoning. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's powder. It's a, it's a French fry salt sauce. I mean, that's not <laughs> sauce. A French fry salt uh, dry rub mix combination. It's not really a rub, though, because it's just which one French fries. Yes, depending on my living situation and the quality of the kitchen that I'm in, I will cook more or less. So talking to Monica right before we started, I realized that a lot of my weird food issues have a tendency to correlate with lack of uh, or, or whatever whatever amount of funds that I have at the time. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that I've bought anything that wasn't on sale in the supermarket in a couple of years. So whatever's on sale, and then you just find it and you make something. So if tomatoes are on sale you make something with tomatoes until the tomatoes aren't good anymore and then waste not want yet um i don't know i make all kinds of stuff like to zhuzh stuff up zhuzh stuff up yeah zhuzh stuff up so um (laughs) that's like a fancy word for putting dressing thousand island dressing on it or that's not even a fancy word that's just a sound (laughs) call it what it is it's not a word it's a sound (laughs) you know my spaghetti sauce actually i discovered that uh Breakfast sausage works really well as a substitute for Italian sausage. So breakfast sausage, you just fry that up, crumble it up, go ahead and drain the grease, and then breakfast sausage up your – so you have, like, sausage marinara, or I guess not technically not marinara, but a sausage sauce. Mm -hmm. You can put it like a bolognese kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) But you, like, live with a family now, so you probably don't feel that comfortable, like – it's cooking not, up a storm in that kitchen. Yeah, it's not It's not my kitchen and it's not my tools. That's the other thing is having the right tools to mm, do the kind of Can you of imagine? Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I cannot cook in somebody else's kitchen because mostly it's the knives. Mm. Like, I don't know how people can live just like, oh, here, cut some tomatoes with this paring knife, this dull paring knife or everything. I cut the meat with this paring knife. I cut this and I cut that. All with one dull paring knife. And that's just the bane of my existence for that hour or so that I'm I'm in, I'm in somebody else's kitchen or they don't have like the right bowl they're like I use this same plastic bowl for everything and for me my kitchen's just all set up for me myself like I have maybe probably 12 different bowls all different sizes for mixing this mixing that mixing that this is specifically for eggs <laughs> this knife is only for meat this one's for bread this is a paring knife which is for pears and apples and <laughs> cherries you have one knife for cherries mm-hmm. i actually have a cherry pitter i might actually be that person that you're complaining about i mean yeah. i have some new knives now after i've met you but 
I think I may have been that paring knife person you the, were talking yeah, about. Yeah, the way you abuse that one knife here at work <laughs> makes my blood boil. Are you serious? Yeah, okay. you're using First this of all, nice that's ceramic the... knife on a little tiny plate, uh-huh. like a glass plate. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know who There's invented no cutting like, board glass here at work. cutting boards. I put in a request for a cutting board. <laughs> she put and in a nice supplies machine. list and a grilled cheese machine. <laughs> Wait, okay, but maker. I don't understand. That's, that knife is like the sharpest knife I've ever experienced it's like in my witchcraft. It's like a witch blessed yeah. it or something. So it's I'm going to use it for everything. It's ceramic. Ceramic holds onto the <laughs> thing better. It's well, like, it's <laughs> all chipped up. You should see it because Monica is using it on a glass, mm. chipping it up and tossing it in the sink and. Yeah, ceramic knives you're also not supposed to use on meat because if it bumps into bone, it can chip and that kind of stuff. But it holds its it holds its edge. It's it's sharp for much longer. But you are spoiled as fudge, Andy. If okay, <laughs> like, if you don't like, like kneading that way, I don't. Know, I just had to go back to her whole knife thing because. Again, man, I want to indigenize this a little bit more. But back in the day, if you had one knife that you could use to like pick your toes and cut up <laughs> that piece of mutton or cut down that piece of fruit or like hack apart that corn and you had to use that knife for the whole thing <laughs> and then also stab your enemy. <laughs> That's right. You sterilize it and then you sterilize the best as you can and you get back to, and actually I say that because one time my grandfather really was picking his toe in the kitchen. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, family. <laughs> okay, well, but- I'm pretty sure, like our ancestors back then, if they had more than one knife, you know, they would they would fashion these knives anyhow they needed to for a little cherry, for herbs, <laughs> for a knife, for any fry bread that they made. They need a fry bread knife too. You know, you don't need a knife for fry bread. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Okay, but if you donate yeah. something to the office for everyone to use, do then you get to dictate how everyone uses the said thing you donated to the office? Yes. There's actually law to cover that. <laughs> <laughs> was it a gift? <laughs> or was it, oh, property. All right. No, we're not going to go into that. <laughs> yeah, I still have the receipt, Monica. <laughs> How many other studios across the country, <laughs> radio studios, have a kitchen? I think they have better kitchens than Probably, ours. yeah. Offices in general usually will My have some kind of kitchen, whether it's just a microwave or something like that. We never used to use it as much as we did until Andy came. Like, yeah. Now I abuse her knife. Does it really bother you? I'll stop if it really, really bothers you. Well, it's it's. I think it's too far gone at this point. You can you can buy the next one. Okay. How much is the importance of the visual kind of thing? Like the whole thing with yeah, like the small, that's a good question. Small amount of food on a big plate. I don't care about any of that. How it looks. Oh, like all. the whole micro sort of thing. Um, or even even just like plating. The whole thing with like plating, where it's. Yeah, yeah, small tiny, you know, marshmallow with a um, microgreens on top and yeah. a and a little, you know, squirt of you know, chocolate. For me, I hate that's, that. that's a weird combination. For me, that's a weird combination. Well, yeah, Why would I came you up with waste that on top such of a head. big plate? Oh. <laughs> Why would you waste such a? No, I mean, no, no. The marshmallow and chocolate sounds delicious. That sounds amazing. <laughs> with the microgreens on top. Yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, even <laughs> that. Yeah, I could. That, that'd be cool. <laughs> Um, but it's just why waste such a big plate and why waste all that water cleaning off that plate mm-hmm. for such a tiny little morsel of something delicious? 
Right. I, I think I've been to maybe two restaurants like that, and mm. the bill at the end of the night was probably like $100 or so. And then uh, order coffee afterwards, and they bring out this big glass, bubbly witchcraft sort of thing here to drip, you know, with a little mm. spout on top, drip down your hot water into your coffee mug, and it still oh tastes God. like... Starbucks or Folgers or whatever. <laughs> um, Chock full of nuts. Yeah. <laughs> but I have been, you know, I don't like that kind of food. That is pretty pretentious. Uh, it's not very filling. Uh, when I think of that, I'm thinking of uh, skinny white people. That's a weird combination. Yeah. Why? why that's. Do you, you ever fill up somewhere else afterwards or before? <laughs> pre-game. <laughs> yeah, you got to Before you go to the restaurant. Do you ever worry that, like, you have... That you're veering towards that, even though you say you don't like that, but mm. like we just talked about how you have ceramic so knife, ceramic knives and stuff like that. Or like when you did the Howler Hut, like the menu, you had to change it up after a while because people were not getting what you were serving. Yeah, no, I don't think I'll ever veer towards that. Um, what you have in the kitchen is totally different than what you give to people. What I like to give to people is um, something filling, something delicious that they might remember. Uh, they'll definitely remember those little tiny, you know, pretentious dishes, but they're going to remember how much it cost. <laughs> yeah, and at the Howler Hut, we had to change our menu because we had all these different creative dishes and um uh, you know, when you take stuff like that home, people don't always latch onto it. They don't understand it. Um, we, I wanted to focus on tacos, like street tacos. Nobody bought them. Mm. Uh, 19 packages of those uh, taco tortillas, those uh, corn tortillas, went to waste. So this we had to change our menu because of that to the same old Navajo burger, Navajo taco. At the Crown Point Fair? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. What you should have done with the tortillas is cut them up, deep fry them. <laughs> See, again, I think that it's tied in with waste. I think it's because my parents both grew up poor. My, my parents grew up in poverty. I was fortunate enough to be to have been protected from that. So I grew up in middle classness kind of thing. They carried on that. My dad literally used to say waste not, want not, because they carried on that, like, you don't waste anything because you're not sure if you're going to have something. You're not sure if you're going to have that. So you find creative ways to make those combinations of things. But... And I think that's the same thing. That's it's uh, the sheep are not indigenous to North America. They're not indigenous to the country. But our, our people have taken to sheep. Navajo people have taken to sheep, like duck to water kind of thing, you know. And that's the it's it's unfortunate to hear that we've lost that. Uh, Native people in general have lost that ability to adapt. So to adapt to wonderful little tacos. Were they? Did you make mutton tacos? No. It's expensive. Mini, mini fry breads, too. Though mm. I thought that was cool. That yeah. worked, though. You're going to do that again, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder why people don't do that anyways, like smaller Navajo tacos, because you know how big a Navajo taco can be. It's, like, yeah. bigger than your hand, maybe two hands put together. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we made smaller ones, and a lot of people bought them for their kids. A lot of people bought them for yourself, because when you go to fair, you kind of want to taste everything that's there. But people sell in such big portions at a fair where you just buy one thing and that's it. Then Mm. you go home. My mom had a powwow, and so this is, well, other people have done it. But Lillian Simmermeyer made Indian dogs at one powwow, and it was fry bread wrapped around a hot dog. 
Ooh, that mm. sounds good. My grandma made that one time. Yeah, that's the type of or oh, you want a really good uh, weird combination? This okay. is this is a V Hill family tradition. So everybody out there have fun with it. Eggs over easy or just eggs turned over a fried eggs with cornflakes. What? Yeah. Oh. And the story is is that my great grandmother ran out of potatoes one time and all she had were cornflakes. Uh-huh. So uh, they put somebody put cornflakes on top of the eggs. You mash it together, and it creates this delicious. You put green chili in there. Huh. Well, I can kind of see that. At first, you know, frosted flakes came to my oh, mind, and I'm no, like, no, no, no. Oh, that's where you draw oh. the line? No, it's not. It's actually, I, I, <laughs> no, no. You were just do talking not, about oh, earlier chips and the, salsa with honey. Do not violate the sanctity of the eggs and cornflakes. <laughs> Eggs and cornflakes are tradition. <laughs> and if you mess with that tradition, the gods are going to be mad at you. The creator will not bless your eggs and cornflakes. <laughs> She'll take it and put Navajo in front of it. They're Navajo <laughs> eggs and cornflakes. No, uh, uh, frosted cornflakes and eggs. The salty, sweet. Maybe. Salty, savory, sweet. It's a breakfast of champions <laughs> before a 12-hour day at work. I'd try that. I don't know if I'd like it, but I'd try it. Mm. Yeah. So that's uh, that's that's Pass. that's that's the that's the V Hill family gift to everyone. When did our when did all Native people? This isn't tribal specific. We've lost our creativity. <laughs> we used to eat such weird stuff because we had to. Now we have our ceramic knives. We put butter on dried meat at home. Because mm. I guess dried meat's not. <laughs> Yo, my Osage <laughs> friends will put butter on fry bread. Ooh. You ever seen people put butter on fry bread? I did, but he was drunk. Uh. <laughs> I don't think he knew what he was doing. Our boss <laughs> says that the minute you put Indian taco ingredients on fry bread, you've ruined it. That it's just garbage. Fry bread. Fry bread is garbage. Mm. Careful. <laughs> now upset the podcast listeners. Jesus. <laughs> James has now been banned from the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I I, I want to stay in the middle of the whole thing, but mm. I don't like, you know, people shaming other people for liking fry bread. I mean, it's delicious. It's shame, delicious. Shame. But, yeah, you have all these chefs up here like, shame on you, and they're the ones, you know, making these little tiny plates with the microgreens on top. <laughs> <laughs> F your microgreens. <laughs> I try not to criticize. And your foams on the no. side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see it both ways. I don't want to. I don't want to go on either side. But I requested my mom on Mother's Day to make fry bread. I bet it was she makes delicious. The best fry bread. She does. Everybody at the Howler Hut uh, had good reviews of her fry bread. I think my mom makes the breast fry bread. That's Re- in the breast fr- fry bread. <laughs> my mom makes the best fry bread. But I think it's also one of the reasons why I dislike fry bread because everybody was always asking because I grew up on the East Coast in Baltimore, Maryland. And Eastern tribes really don't do a lot of fry bread. Fry bread wasn't our thing. But because my mom is from here in New Mexico, she brought fry bread. And I credit my mom with popularizing fry bread on the East Coast. I know that's a bold statement, and you're probably going to have someone make some kind of comment talking about <laughs> your mom. Word. Yeah, your mom got to the East Coast <laughs> in the 70s, and we were doing fry bread back in the 50s. So, <laughs> But I think my mom makes a really interesting kind of fry bread because uh, she really got tired of hand pattying it out because mm-hmm. uh, she would sell a powwow, so she started rolling it. 
And so it gave this like kind of like crispiness to the bubbles, but it also had a slight floppiness and because it was so big. Mm-hmm. So it was this cross between crispy and floppy. But because it was so good, everybody was always bugging her to make her fry bread. And so there were many times when the house just smelled like the burnt grease. And I was just tired of that. And it just didn't. So I think that's where my dislike fry bread kind of came from. But. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of like um, different, you know, you were talking about like, Wrapping a hot dog and yeah. fry bread and stuff Indian like that, dog. but the, hips, the hipsters really haven't, you know, like we have not seen a kimchi fry bread, or I mean, I'm sure we could all come up with some like crazy hipster fry bread combinations. Not right just, now. but people combinations. So another one of my friends, uh, she's Jewish, and she uh, uh, explained to one of. Uh, one of our other friends who's Apache that uh, they would call um, matzah bread, the bread of oppression, because it had to do with exiting Israel and slavery and Jewish people being slaves in Egypt. So it took to calling fry bread the oppressor's bread. <laughs> since, but they since, actually... it came, since it came out of, it also came out of a horrible time of like rations yeah. and starvation and everything like that and survival. But it's this beautiful celebrated by both cultures kind of thing, matzah and fry bread, so... Yeah, yeah, they they, is, they celebrate their oppressor's bread. Like, yeah. it's really thin, you know. That's because there wasn't time to let it rise. That's right. Old Testament Bible stories for all my Christian native friends. <laughs> That's next time on Toasted Sister. Bible stories, how they connect to native food. For reals. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on today's show. Again, we had... James Simmermeyer. And Monica Brain. You can find Toasted Sister at ToastedSisterPodcast.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, and SoundCloud. 